I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Today we're spending the day at the National Equine Forum. It's where 250 of the top industry experts get together every year to talk about the future of the equestrian industry. And I'd like to welcome Jonathan Clissold. He is the National Safety Officer for British Eventing. And today he's talking about safety in eventing. How are you, Jonathan? Very well, thank you. Well, now, you are the one that keeps us safe. You're our our parent that holds our hand, I guess, to make sure that everybody in eventing doesn't hurt themselves. So that's quite a big responsibility for you. I wish it was something that we could achieve, but unfortunately it's not. We try and minimise the risk if we can. Yeah. Do you personally, do you feel a sense of responsibility and pressure um, when people are going over those cross-country courses? Um, I think people within the sport realise it is a risk sport and um, but you try and keep that make, make things as safe as you possibly can. Must be quite hard. Do you have a, a big team that works with you? There's a team in the office that well there's been there's a big team of technical advisors that go around the country inspecting all the cross country courses, of which I'm one. It's probably about twenty three of us I think. Oh wow. So every single event, every horse trials are always inspected by somebody at British Eventing. Yes, every British Eventing horse trials, the courses are all inspected, yes by the steward and the technical advisor. My goodness. So what is it that they're looking for? Well, the profiles of the fences to make sure they're friendly, ground lines on the fences, a nice profile for the horse to jump, and that they're within the height of the class and the dimensions of the class. Well, these poor advisors must be exhausted because they're, they're miles of land for them to go and check. <laughs> well, every, every single fence and every course is measured. Its height, its base spread, its top spread, and its profile, it's all recorded in a database. And any falls that happen at those fences... There's a form filled in by the fence judge, and those details are all recorded on the database as well. So we can keep a constant order to the sport, and courses and fences are causing problems. And, and how long have you been doing this for? Um, probably longer than I'd like to say. <laughs> Certainly 30 years, probably. So what, when you're collating your data at the end of the year, how have you found that this has helped? Has it, has it changed the way that we put our fences together? What, what have you learned from your data collection? We've learned that there's three types of fall. There's the unseated rider, the horse fall where the horse doesn't rotate, and the rotational horse fall. We know from the data that the most dangerous fall to the rider is when the horse somersaults, potentially if they can land from a height on top of the rider. So I'm guessing that the change of the pins in the cross-country fences is is to prevent the horse from falling on top of the rider and, and flipping. Has, has that helped? Well, the primary devices, yes, there's the pins and there's the MIMS clip as well. Uh, they're, they're designed that in certain situations they fail, which takes the rotation point away, and therefore the horse stops its rotation. Uh, but they, they work in some situations, but not all. 
mechanism to falls is very complex. And it's not just one mechanism. So how can we make them safer? Well, it's not all about the fences. Some of it's about the training. And the uh, majority, majority of accidents happen from mistake. Like a mistake the horse has made, a mistake the rider's made. So I think the thing we're concentrating on at the moment is trying to get training. And one of the other speakers at the forum, Sam Watson from Mechel Ratings, will go into what they're doing to try and identify the risk. Mm that a rider might have had bad form coming out to the event. So it's very much you, you guys working together to prevent any accidents from happening. Um, like you said at the beginning, we always know that, that riding is a risky sport and accidents can happen. It's, your job's really difficult, isn't it? Because ultimately we've got to get the horses over the jumps. So do you take into account the ground, the weather? What, what, do you, what are you taking into account when you're looking at the safety of the sport? Absolutely, the ground, the takeoff, the landing, and everything. The ground conditions taken. We try and keep the landing and the takeoff as good as possible for the horse. And how do you do that? What is it that you're looking for? You expect from a course builder when um, when you're looking at the ground for the takeoff? Well, a lot of takeoffs and landings will have all all weather landing done with stone and things. Well, the, the topsoil will be pulled off, and so a membrane will be put down, and then stone put down on top of it, and then grass will perhaps grow through the stone as well. So it's got firm footing basically. Oh wow. I didn't, you know, had no idea that so much went into it. I genuinely thought that you had some grass and um, and you popped on some cross country jumps, but you actually that there's a lot that goes on underneath the ground before the cross country jumps even are put there. Not in all situations, but in some situations, yes. So how can you monitor then? That's your standard jump. How do you monitor what I would see as a as a big risk jump, like the ditch jumps and the ones that where you are jumping down a hill? Well, if the if the ground's very wet, again, stone will put down to try and keep it as firm as possible so obviously you don't want the ground slipping away from the horse but having said that you don't want it hard so they're jarring themselves as well so it's a matter of keeping it you know as natural as you can but making it safe and how did you work out all these concepts to make the the sport safer uh well sports sports been running for quite a long time now and um and different initiatives have happened but since 2000 uh, when we had several fatalities um a lot more detail has been taken into um, collecting data and things and keep monitoring the sport as much as we can, trying to identify any unsafe areas. And is there anything that you've taken out of the sport because of that, because they're, they're just so risky? Um, over the years, there's been certain fence profiles that have been changed. Like There was a trend for a lot of picnic table type fences, which horses didn't read very well. So um, some of that's come out. I sometimes look at the, oh, where was I the other day? Maybe, maybe it's badminton. It's, it's, the, it's the big white fence and it's so wide, it's huge. And, and so although you've taken out the picnic tables, there are still some really solid jumps that scare the life out of me when yeah. I'm watching people jump over them because I think, oh, one misplaced foot and that, that fence isn't going to move. No, a lot, you know, cross country is about jumping solid fences. Horses on the whole jump very, very well. I wonder why that is then. Sometimes a fence that frightens a rider actually doesn't frighten the horse. They jump it very well. How interesting. Because in show jumping, you see poles being knocked down all the time. And I, and I do wonder what it is that makes them jump the solid much better. Is it because it's bigger? Is it because it's solid, do you think? Is it, is it easier for them to see? I think horses aren't stupid. They know when there's a solid fence and when it's a knocked down fence. But actually, interestingly, we're doing a project with um, Exeter University at the moment on equine vision. And that's some very interesting things come out of that. What have they found? Um, they found well, horses see colours differently from us. Mm. Um, and um, they found certain colours they see better than others. 
So defining the edges of a jump can be quite important using different colours. Oh, wow. So we could be seeing changes in the colours on the cross-country fences then? Could see slight changes. And uh, there was an article in the Telegraph the other day that Marcus Armitage did uh, with these people about the colour of the, um, the toe boards and knee boards on steeplechase fences. Orange isn't necessarily the best colour for them to be. Oh, really? What about red? Because you always have red flags, don't you? Yeah. White is probably one of the best colours to see. And some blues. That's really interesting. So do you think you'll be looking at changing the colours of the flags? Not the flags, because the flags just mark the extremities of the fence. Mm. But I think some of the colours the fence is actually painted might change, yes. And how long does this process take then from you finding out something new, like the vision um, and the colours that they, the horses respond to better, to actually then making those changes where we can see those changes on the, in the horse trials on the fences? Well, I think we're always getting involved in new projects and new research and uh, you know, see what comes out of it. I think it's hard for riders sometimes to really take on board how much work goes on behind the scenes to make sure that they're safe. Um, and it's sad when we hear people complaining about fence judges and the fences and the course because you're working so hard behind the scenes to make sure that it's safer for people. So what would you say to those people? Well, there are a massive amount of volunteers that go into making an event run, and those people all do their best. And so I don't see there are mistakes because sometimes there are, and sometimes fences might not be designed as well as they might be or built as well as they might be, but on the whole... British Venting is there to make sure it's a very high standard. And I'm guessing you work very closely with the course builders um, to make sure that... Uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have a set of safety requirements that they have to adhere to? Well, we have a set of guidelines as to... Um, and also these dimensions they have to build the fences to. But having said that, you can build a fence that's within the dimensions of class, but it's practically unjumpable, mm. depending on the, the approach, downhill approach, uphill approach, whatever. It has to be a sense of feel as well. Yeah. So out of your 23 advisors that go out and check the fences, have you recently had to stop any horse trials from taking place or taken fences out because they're too dangerous? Um, sometimes if ground conditions deteriorate because of bad weather, a fence might get taken out, particularly a skinny fence that might be every, everybody's jumping and taking off from the same place. If the course can't maintain the footing, then you have to say, Enough's enough, we can't maintain this, it has to come out. Because I think um, it would be a course builder's worst nightmare to have a fence where people keep falling. Ultimately, they want to show the horse a question and they want the horse to be able to answer it, not to hurt themselves. Um, but I was at a horse trials last year, there was one particular fence that they just kept falling. And at what point do you say, OK, we can't carry on using that fence throughout the trials? Yes, if you, if you do... Sometimes you can't see what the reason is. Sometimes, especially at water jumps, horses will be falling in the water and you can't understand why. Um, or they're jumping in a, in a way you don't expect them to be. But you have to be brave enough in those situations, yes, to say enough's enough. Or if you think it's purely people riding too fast or whatever, mm. um, depends what's happening really. But you need to react to those things, yes. Okay, in terms of the rules then and the rule book, if you're running a horse trials and someone is falling, there, there are lots of riders falling at one particular jump, if you then take that brave decision to say, no, we don't want anybody to get seriously hurt, this jump needs to come out, how does that affect the scoring for everybody else that's gone round and, and has had to jump that fence and maybe has fallen at it, so has been eliminated? That's quite a difficult thing to we manage, it isn't it? Yes, but anybody that's had stops at that fence has previously gone before you take it out, their stops get taken away. But obviously you can't put someone back into competition when they've fallen and been eliminated. Mm. So that's the, the safety when it comes to jumping. Um, uh, com apart from the colours then, are we to expect any other changes over the next couple of years? 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's various other projects going on looking at footing. There's all sorts of research going on and the me- mechanisms, how, how horses uh, jump fences, how they bascular fences, looking at uh, positioning ground lines a certain way to in- encourage a better jump because at the end of the day the course designers want to see a nice picture they want to see horses jumping nicely around their courses Mm. and where can we access this information because you mentioned earlier that we're focusing especially with equi ratings on the training um, and the preparation for events so i I don't know in my head i'm thinking oh where can we get these guidelines and how can we train our horses at home based on these guidelines to make sure that they're fully prepared for what you're going to throw at us website guidelines that will be on the website uh, fairly shortly we just uh, reviewed them um, so they'll be on in the next week or so and he's about to uh, embark on, on a new website which should be uh, up and running by the end of july and i believe then there'll be various areas for people to easily access information and step on safety and that sort of thing oh that would be good well, I look forward to looking at that. So that's britisheventing.com if you'd like to go and have a look at the safety element on their website. Um, so we've looked at the jumps then. What else are you looking at to, to make us safer? I know there's some rule changes that have just come out for, uh, for, for vests, for safety jackets. We, we've had a very high level of body protectors being required uh, for several years, but it's just the standards keep um, improving for those and the materials that are used to make the body protectors. So all that's changed is the older standard is now obsolete. We insist on the newer standard. In actual fact, and there's about to be launched a newer standard still in the next few weeks. Oh, really? And what's this standard going to say? It's just the material, that the foam that's used to make the body protector is just a slightly higher standard. Okay, so you don't ban the old standards then. If we have a safety jacket that, that's maybe going to an old standard, you don't ban them at all, do you? Well, the standard that's in use at the moment is quite acceptable. It does a good job. Um, it's just the, the foams get developed as, as time goes on mm. and that's slightly longer lasting maybe, slightly lighter in weight, uh, more flexible. Um, I'm not, I haven't actually seen the new standard myself yet, but probably will do tomorrow. And how do you check these standards? From British Eventing's point of view, there's an element of trust to the manufacturers that are, are making them to the standards, but how do you work out what the standards should be? For body protectors, it's a beta standard. 
and the manufacturers put a very big beta label in there so we can see that when we check them. We do do random checks for riders as they finish cross-country to make sure they're right, wearing the right body protectors. Oh, wow. What happens if they're not? Well, I just get suggested that they buy a new one and they'll be watched next time. Okay. Oh, that's good. So they're not eliminated, it. but it is no, advised no. that they get a new body protector. Ultimately, we want to be as safe Absolutely. as possible, so we'd always recommend course, having, yeah. having the highest standard. Okay. And what about the air jackets? Because there's a huge debate at the moment between whether an air jacket works, whether you have an air jacket with a body protector, or whether you just have a body protector. What are your thoughts? Well, I have quite strong views on this because when you put a level three body protector on, the moment you put it on, you've got protection. With an air jacket on, you haven't got any protection until it activates. So wearing an air jacket on top of a level three body protector is the best of both worlds Level 3 body protectors give you protection straight away. When the air jacket activates, it probably increases your protection slightly. Mm. But wearing the air jacket without a body protector uh, underneath, if it doesn't activate for any reason, then you've got no protection. Mm. It's really hard with the body protectors because I always feel quite constrained. Like I, I, I can't... I can't move freely enough. I can't move properly. But they're so important when it comes to safety. I just wouldn't wouldn't ride without my body protector now um, because the fear of, of the damage that can be caused and never being able to ride again is, is so big. But I really like about the air jackets is that they protect you around your neck. Yeah. Well, there are some riders that stop wearing air jackets, though, because they feel that when you have a fall, they restrict you your movement. And you can't roll out the way and things. Ah, oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. And the, the bangs as well, they make quite a big noise when, the, when they actually go off, which can spook the horses even yes. more, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing more research needs to be done really on these, don't they? Um, well, uh, we did some research on, on body protectors with TRL. And the findings from that were that um, if a horse comes down, half the horse lands on you in the wrong way, it's going to squash you. It doesn't matter whether you've got an air jacket on and body protection or whatever, we're still going to get squashed. Fair way of looking at it. So uh, then it brings us back to how can we make sure that the jumps are safe so that they don't get squashed? Absolutely. Make the jumps as safe as we can and also you know, encourage the riders to do more training mm. so the mistakes aren't made. And what about the hats then? How, where, where are your thoughts on head cams? Head cams are being used more and more. Have, has there been any testing done between wearing a head cam and, and how it affects the helmet? Well, British venting don't allow head cams because a head cam on a helmet can potentially, you know, when you hit the ground, you don't skid along, it digs in, and it can cause neck and head injuries, mm. um, as was proved in racing. Um, so we, we stopped them being allowed. But I think there are some more head cams now that are coming to very much smaller. Mm. And, um, you know, that could be looked into um, and those being allowed. It's interesting, isn't it? There's some that, that actually go under the visor. So rather than being really big and bulky on top of the helm- on top of the hat, they go just underneath the lip, just on the top of the forehead. And, and, and part of me thinks, well, that would be perfect because they're not going to dig into the ground. However, if they would, they would dig into your forehead. So maybe we need to yeah. get together with all the hat companies and say, look, this, there's a demand for this. People want to be able to record their footage. They want to be able to review their footage of where they're going over the jumps for training purposes. So maybe we could create some hats that are safe, that have a slot to pop in a camera. I think some of the hat manufacturers have looked into building a camera into the hat. But they don't feel the demand for it. Well, they need to speak to me. I know loads of people that want one. <laughs> <laughs> but likewise, the, the smaller hat cams, you know, if the manufacturers like to do some research into it, do some testing, mm. they can come to us and prove that they're, they're not, it doesn't make the helmet any less safe. 
then we'll relook at it. Oh, well, that's good. But I think the onus needs to be on the manufacturer of the cameras, not, not on British Renting. Yeah, no, of course, of course. It's about working together, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. I often wonder, do you work with the motorcycle industry? Because they do loads of research on helmets and hats, don't they? They do, yes, but the helmets are slightly different for like motor racing and motorcycle racing. Mm. Um, and obviously they'd be very bulky for um, horse ride to be riding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we couldn't have those big visors over us and, you know, <laughs> we'd never be able to move. Um, but, but maybe the inside, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a manufacturer, but maybe the insides could help. It's fascinating to go into your world, though, Jonathan, because it's nice to know how much research is being done to, to make sure that we're safer. Obviously, there's an element that the responsibility and the onus is on the rider to make sure that their horse is um, ready to be riding at the level, to the level that they're riding at. Um, but there's a huge trust from the rider and the horse uh, between the people that put the cross-country fences together to make sure that they're trusting them, that they're going to be safe. That's right. And that, a lot of time goes into the fence being put out and the distances and things in combinations and things. And I say they're inspected you know, by the technical advisor and the steward, and each of that has a rider up as well. So if any rider is concerned about fences, they can either come to us or they can come to us via the rider rep. Mm. or they can talk to the rider rep and see what the rider rep thinks and the riders think. So we always listen. If any riders have got any concerns or offences, we'll always go and have a look and check, make sure there isn't anything missed or anything. Mm. It does make me laugh. Everyone has their own opinion on how they would write a cross-country course. I think we should do like a competition one day where we say, give us your courses and your fences. I'd be really fascinated to see what people come up with. Yeah. Maybe you guys could review it and see what you think. You never know. One could make it at Burley. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Jonathan, thank you so much. The main thing is that, that you're looking after us and we're very grateful. We're doing our best. Um, I really appreciate your time, Jonathan. We can head to your website, britisheventing.com, to keep up to date with all the safety requirements um, for your hats, for your body protectors, and for training your horse at home as well, ready, so you're ready for your next horse trials. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time at the National Equine Forum. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can catch all the podcasts from the National Equine Forum on their website. Just head to nationalequineforum.com and you can see them on our website, horsehour.co.uk. I hope you enjoyed the live stream and getting involved in the conversations, asking your questions to the panel and to the speakers just by using hashtag horsehour, hashtag NEF. You'll be able to replay the videos from the forum if you just have a look at their website and their YouTube channel. Now, this event wouldn't be possible without the friends of the forum. Our corporate friends are the Blue Cross, Dodson & Horrell, the Donkey Sanctuary, Hadlow College, New Shul and SEIB Insurance Brokers. Along with individual friends, thank you so much to everybody that takes part in the National Equine Forum and organising it and uh, making sure it's super successful every single year. We'd also like to say thank you to the forum sponsors Sponsors, Beta, British Equine Veterinary Association, the British Horse Society, Bransby Horses, the Jeffreys Scholarship Trust, Bedmax, HBLB, Red Wings, Weatherbees, the World Horse Welfare, the Horse Trust, BHA, which is the British Horse Racing Authority, the British Equestrian Federation 
and our great supporters, Bully Davey, Craig Payne, NFU Mutual, and uh, we're proud to be supporters of the Forum too. Really looking forward to next year. Already there's a date set. It will be the 27th National Equine Forum, and it takes place Thursday the 7th of March 2019. I can't believe we're talking about that already. So pop that in your diary, 7th of March next year. So I hope you enjoyed this year's National Equine Forum. I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 